This last week, uh, we were out playing in our little above-ground pool, and I was trying to make dinner on the grill, and as is typical in our house, there were, my kids were distracting me, to say the least, from doing that. In fact, one of my daughters, she kept asking me, and I didn't even hear her initially, but she kept asking me for some flippers, right, for, for the pool so she could swim. And I was like, honey, I'll get, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll get those to you. Don't, don't worry about it. And I kept working on the grill. I got to get the grill started. She didn't give up. She kept asking and asking. And she looked, spanned, looked around the yard, couldn't find them. She searched for them, couldn't find them. Dad, I can't find them. Where are the flippers? Can you get the flippers for me? <sighs> At this point, I'm getting so annoyed that literally borderline bitterness. I'm just like so frustrated. Like, why do you keep, I told you, <laughs> hold on, I'm doing something. And although I don't condone selfishness or, you know, that we shouldn't, you know, teach our kids how to get stuff for themselves, something occurred to me a moment later when she started crying, literally crying, Dad, please get me the flippers. I need the flippers. I don't know where they are. Sometimes they're a pie on a shelf and she can't reach them. She didn't know where they were. Dad, give me the flippers. She was crying. And at that point, my bitterness shifted and my dad heart engaged. And my daughter needed something from me. She realized in that moment, and, and, and I don't think she would have come to me if she didn't realize that I was both able and good to give her what she had asked for, what she had seeked for, what she had annoyed me for, <laughs> literally. And so I got her the flippers. She got what she, what she asked for. I'm thankful that there is a father who does not get annoyed and bitter when we pester him, when we bother him, so to speak, for what we need. He never gets annoyed, in fact. And he actually encourages it. And Jesus said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I just read from Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 8. This is a parable Jesus shared to teach us about how we should pray. And it follows these familiar verses. So if you rewind in Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he, Jesus, said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed or holy be your name, your kingdom come, 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Luke 11 is where we're going to spend most of our time today as we talk about prayer. Think of the Lord's Prayer as a pop-up book. How many of you have ever had a pop-up book for your children? Or maybe for yourself. I mean, you know, not to say you shouldn't have a pop-up book if you like them. Um, But pop-up books, if you know how they work, of course, you open them, you start to open them, and you start to see part of the story that's there. But as you unfold them and open them more and more, more of the picture begins to become more clear, right? Um, That's how the Lord's Prayer is. And there's a lot that's folded into this prayer that's maybe not apparent at first glance. And so I'm thankful that Jesus, here and in other places, and throughout Scripture, actually, clarify and give additional color and picture to this subject of prayer. He explains in this parable how we're supposed to pray, for example. So on that note, shift your attention back to the parable of what I call the needy midnight friend. In the parable, if you're looking at it, I'm going to ask a question. Why is the man coming to his friend for bread? Well, Simply put, because he has no bread. He recognizes his need for bread in this case, for help. Read verse 3 from the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It's a prayer of of requesting something that the, the individual doesn't have. When I come to God and I ask for something, it means I don't have that thing, right? I'm coming to him for something that I could not otherwise get elsewhere. C.S. Lewis said this, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. Realizing my own need for help is prayer square one. Realizing my own need for help is prayer square one. This is what I call the need for need. The need for need. We need to know that we need God or we will not want God. It's okay to admit that we need help. Can I just say that? It's okay to admit that we need help. In fact, when we do, we are in the best company ever. Do you realize that? When we admit we need help and we cry out to God for help, we identify ourselves with the Lord Jesus himself. Hebrews 5, the end of chapter or verse 2 says, He, speaking of Jesus himself, is beset with weakness. Jesus is beset with weakness. It seems contradictory to our minds. But Jesus took the form of a servant. He took the form of a man who needed to depend on someone else. He chose to do that. He chose to be in a place where he had to depend on the Father through the Holy Spirit. And one reason he did that is to give us, what, an example to show us what it looks like to need God and to cry out to God and to get help from God. Jesus was always praying. Even Jesus didn't didn't, uh, pawn himself off. That's the wrong way to say it. But he he didn't portray himself, is a better word, as if he was strong, even though he was. 
That, that's the amazing thing. He didn't regard equality with God, Philippians 2, as something to be grasped. Like he, he said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empty myself of, of this position of complete power for a time, and I'm going to become a man. And he could access that power whenever he wanted, but he did it through the Holy Spirit on dependence on the Father. When we are strong, we are of no use to God. Simply put, when we are strong, we are of no use to God. When we are strong, we are limited by our own weakness. When we are strong, we are limited by our own weakness, but it is in weakness that we access a limitless God. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Seems like it was yesterday. I was in my uh, early 20s, and I was trying to find a church at the time uh, that I could, you know, feel at home at and, and that I knew that God wanted me to be at. Uh, but I was faced with a, with a quandary. <laughs> Sam knows this story, I think. Um, I was afraid of people, and often I still am sometimes. I was afraid to talk to people. I was afraid to see people. I had what you might call social phobia, maybe. I don't even know. It wasn't diagnosed or anything like that. But I, I would literally, after church, I had this drawing in my heart that God wanted me to be at this church, but I wasn't quite sure. And one thing stood between me and knowing that, um, and that is that I needed to get to know the people. <laughs> That's a challenge for someone who's afraid of people, right? So every day after church, I would, I would go in the restroom and I would wrestle with God. And I would say, God, I don't want to be here. I, wanna, I would look to the door and I would want to exit as quickly as I could. How many of you can relate to that? You don't have to raise your hands. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't wait to get out of there, but something in me said, that's not me wanting you to get out of there. So I would, I would say, God... I can't do this. I need your help. I literally am afraid to the point where it hurts. And I would pray, and then I would come out of the restroom, and someone would come up to me, and I would open my mouth, and I would talk to them. And this happened for quite some time, for weeks, and, and even uh, at least probably a year or so of this, every Sunday, wrestling with God. I want to go, I want to go, and sometimes I would leave quickly, and other times I would stay, and I would, I would come out. And something happened over time. It was, it was uh, odd. It was um, not my idea what happened. They came to me and they said, would you like to be a greeter? You're so friendly. I said, oh, okay. Uh, that's a bad idea. Uh, but sure, yeah, I'll do that. And so the church attendance went to zero. No, um, <laughs> It's a surprise that it didn't. So I, I, I started greeting people, and I couldn't remember their names, and I'd grab the bulletins, and I'd write their names down. I'd try to, you know, Bob, you know, a guy who jump, bounces up and down in the water, Bob, okay. I, I could, anything I could do to remember someone's name. Uh, and then eventually time went on, and they asked me to be the, the head greeter. Like, this is just uh, ridiculous at this point. So I, I did that, um, and, and it went pretty well. I still went to the bathroom a lot. Um, 
<laughs> and um, over time, the pastor asked me to start leading Bible studies, home studies, um, studies at the church in the evenings. Um, and eventually, as a course of time went on, the, the lead pastor moved to Africa to start a church, and they eventually asked me to become the associate pastor. Okay, so this guy who's like afraid to talk to people is, is talking, and here I am. Um, and, and I share that because um, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul said that he boasted gladly of his weaknesses, plural, why? So that the power of Christ could rest upon him. Verse 10 goes on to say, For the sake of Christ, then, thy, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When we are weak, and my life bears this out over thousands of times probably in many scenarios. When we are weak, I can testify, then we are strong. When we come to God in our weakness, he is strong on our behalf. When do you feel like you least want to come to God for help? It's when your need is so great that it hurts. That's when you least are least likely to come to God. It's when you don't feel like coming to God is when you're in great need, right? When referring to when the disciples failed to pray in the garden with Jesus at the end there, the Garden of Gethsemane, you know the story. Matthew Henry says this, the sense of there, the disciples' own weakness stopped their mouth. It is the sense of our own weakness, Matthew Henry says, that often stops our mouth from praying. But when is the perfect time to come to God for help? It is when your need is so great that it hurts to even come. When it doesn't feel like coming, when you don't feel like coming to God is the, great, the perfect time to come to God. And that's exactly what Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says. It says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, speaking of Jesus, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Listen to this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. What does it say? If you know the verse, when do we come to find help? In time of need. We don't if we have been beset with our own sin, right? It's not something that we're supposed to wait until it just kind of, the feeling maybe wears off. Let's, I'm just gonna sit around for a while and I'll come to God when things feel better. Maybe I'll wait till tomorrow. God's like, no, when you need mercy and when you need grace is when I want you to come, not sheepishly, but boldly like one of my sheep. That is when he says to come, when you feel least Qualified when you feel like you cannot come. He says, come. Even when you start to come, and it's hard, he says, come anyway, in faith, not in strength, but in weakness. Prayer is our access point to the throne of grace, to the God of grace. We're talking about access points. Prayer is our access point to the throne of grace and to God himself. God invites us not only to come when we're in need, 
but to pray in a certain way. Did you hear that? He said, when we come, we're to come to him with, with boldness. In your experience, do most Christians pray with boldness? My experience has been the same. I've experienced a lot of church life in the 37 years I've known Jesus, and bold prayer seems to be the exception rather than the norm. And maybe you've had a similar experience. But let's be honest, it seems almost disrespectful to come to God with boldness? It, it just seems wrong almost, right? How is it that we can come to the awesome, the almighty, the eternal God of the universe with boldness? As the prayer says, our Father, our Father, hallowed be your name. He's set apart. He's so high above. How is it that we can come to him with this boldness? Because he is not only God, but he's also our Father. And I am his child. Just like my daughter comes to me with boldness <laughs> to get what she wants, what she needs. We get to come to our father as children with boldness because he's our father. How are we to address God in prayer? Verse 2 actually says we're supposed to say father, right? That's what it says. It says Jesus could have picked any way for us to address God through prayer. Any, any word, any title, and he chose what? Which title? Father. When, we, when we're talking about the subject of prayer, it's the subject of a family. It's the subject of a father-child relationship, period. Okay? We are children. He's our father. And he's a father like none other. Thankfully, he's not like me. Thankfully, he's not like you or anyone else. He is a father that is set apart. But he's a father that's so set apart. Even though he's set apart, he's also near to us. I'm going to read the rest of the parable. I'm going to pick up in verse 8 if you want to follow along. Luke 11, verse 8. I tell you, though he will not, the man inside the house at night, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to get good, give good gifts to your children, flippers or otherwise, I added that, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? These are the words of Jesus. Asking, seeking, knocking. What a bold picture of persistence. Born out of desperation. The man is asking for something that he cannot get apart from God. It's the middle of the night. He has no bread. Someone comes to him. His friend needs bread. He has no bread. 
So he comes in desperate need. He doesn't care that it's the middle of the night and inconvenient. He comes anyway. The commentator Morris says this, all these verbs are continuous. Jesus is not speaking of single separate activities, but of those that persist, of people who persist. Why does it matter that we pray with boldness? Okay, he says to pray with boldness, but why does it matter? Why can't we just, you know, pray? I mean, we can, we can pray. I mean, there's nothing wrong with just praying. But, um, you know, besides the fact that everyone around you is going to fall asleep, um, <laughs> we're to pray with persistence. Because, here's why. Because boldness like this is actually synonymous with faith. George Mueller if you know George Miller, if you don't know George Miller, you have to read his autobiography. That guy accomplished more through prayer than, than, than anyone I've ever read about. It's, it's amazing. He, he, in his lifetime, fed like 120,000 orphans without a penny to his name. He would ask for provision from God in the moment. He had no food on the table, and it was dinner time. God, we don't have any food. Someone would knock on the door, and there'd be food. I mean, time after time after year after year. And they accounted, and literally tens of millions of dollars worth of money was given to this man for the sole purpose of taking care of orphans. And one of his, his heart's desire was to show people that through prayer and dependence on God alone, no, no programs, no, no advertising, nothing, he would literally go to his prayer closet and say, God, I need something. No one else knows I need it, and I'm going to ask for it, and God would give it to him. Sometimes it would be instant. Sometimes it would, be before, it would be before he was done praying. Sometimes it would take six months. But God gave him what he asked for. This man had 10,000 documented answers to prayer. And he was a man like us. He said this, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Desperation for God Desperation for God leads to demanding of God. That's just the way that it is. When we are desperate for God, and we are desperate for Him, we will demand of Him. Knocks. This word knocks, it means to knock with a heavy blow, to not knock with knuckles. I mean, what a picture. If we don't pray to the point of knocking, of pounding, we shouldn't expect to receive what we've asked for. Isn't that what Jesus says? If this is a continue, continuous action, asking, seeking, knocking, then if we are not knocking to the point of, of white, our knuckles are bloody, whatever, God, I really need this. And that doesn't mean that we repeat ourselves needlessly. Jesus made that very clear in Matthew 6 when he talked about the Lord's Prayer. We don't just repeat stuff to repeat stuff. We come to God with a heart of dependence. What we say is, is, is less important, I believe, than, than what comes out of our heart. Because what comes out of our heart when we're in communion with God is what's in his heart. That's just the way that it works because he lives in us. Without faith in God, we might as well not waste our time praying. And, and that's a bold statement. That doesn't mean that if we don't have faith, we shouldn't pray. Because praying brings about faith, right? But that's exactly what James says in chapter 1 of his epistle, verses 6 through 8, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person, it's the opposite of confidence, isn't it? Driven and tossed by the wind, just kind of, I think God's going to answer my prayer, I don't know. 
For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. That's, that's strong language. Faith seems to be a four-letter word these days. I'm just going to say that I've heard it from many. It seems like some kind of poo-poo on faith, like it's, it's not important, you don't need faith. But, but faith is, is really all that matters when it comes to prayer. Because if I don't believe in an unseen God, what, what am I doing praying to him, right? If I don't believe that my father is good and that what he says is true, that he will give me what I ask for, and we'll get into that in a minute, then, then why, why would I even waste my time? My wife, I was talking to her about this, and she, she put it this way. I'm going to quote my wife. She's amazing. That's why I'm quoting her. Some have tried to downplay faith, edit it, or redefine it. Without faith, we can't have a relationship with God. It takes belief to interact with an invisible God. So I have a question. Is it okay to expect to get what you need, to get what you've asked for in prayer? Is it okay to expect to receive from God when you pray for something from him? Is that okay or is it wrong? It's actually more than okay. According to God, it's actually a necessity. Hebrews 11:6, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Ask, seek, knock, sound familiar? Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. God rewards those who pray in faith. It's not wrong to expect from God when you pray to God. What does Jesus say in verse 8? Notice this. Because of his impudence, he will rise, the man in the house, and give him whatever he needs. Because of the man's persistence is what causes the man to get up from his bed and give him what was asked of him after this individual pounded on the door for what he needed. It is his persistence that said, you know what, I'm going to Go from a place of, I'm not going to get up because it's the middle of the night. My kids are here. In this culture, if you may not know this, they lived in one-room homes, and all the kids would sleep with the parents in the, in the same bed. And, and it would be up on this raised surface, usually on dirt, and then there would be a lower surface down below it where the animals would sleep, okay? So in the middle of the night, to get up, can you imagine if you have kids or animals that are in the house? To get up at midnight, someone's pounding on the door, and you're like, I wish that guy would shut up. Like, he's going to wake my kids up. You know, he's going to wake the animals up. Oh, I'm going to have to deal with, you know, whatever. Not that God is that way, but God uses this analogy to portray. Man, even if it seems like it's inconvenient, like, oh, God, I don't know if you're really going to give me what I've asked for. He's like, just come anyway. So this is a picture of this man's in bed, and he's like, I don't want to wake up my kids. Go away. Go away. I'm, I'm busy making food on the grill. Like, go, I'll get to you later. But he says, because of his persistence, 
he's going to give his friend whatever he needs. Basically, it's being so persistent, so bold that you're offensive. That's literally, if you look up the word, that's what it means. It's boldness to the point of being offensive or annoying. Wow. It reminds me of a parable of the persistent widow. You guys may know the story. Luke chapter 18, verses 18, or I'm sorry, verses 1 through 8. I was going to try to just read parts of this, but I, it would just completely lose its flow. So I'm going to read from Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. You can follow along if you'd like. Jesus speaking, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So Jesus is telling this parable so that he knows that it's, it's easy to be discouraged in prayer. How many have been discouraged in prayer? I have. You pray, you ask, you don't, it seems like nothing's happening or my prayer's like hitting a, a, a ceiling and God's just not there. Jesus says, I'm gonna share with you a parable if you've lost heart in prayer. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Verse three, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice again against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, there's that word again, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. God is so funny. He, whoever says he doesn't have a sense of humor didn't read the Bible. Beat me down. I love it. Um, by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will find, will he find faith on the earth? There's faith again. Um, God loves it when we annoy him. It shows that we trust him. We are annoyed by pushy, annoying people. I know I am but not our father. He actually prefers it. He encourages his kids to bother him until they get what they need. So beyond the need for need when coming to God, there's also a need for boldness. But instead of being bold, here's what can happen sometimes, unfortunately. And I've fallen prey to this. We pray and we don't receive what we've asked for, at least not right away. At that point, we have a decision to make. We can persist or we can give up. After asking once or twice, far from the desperate, white-knuckled pounding Jesus encourages, we stop and figure, well, it just must have been God's will. Even worse, based on our past experience of not getting an answer at first or the second ask, we feel at liberty to argue away certain very emphatic verses on prayer. Of course, if we ask with wrong motives, we will never have what we ask for. I need to clarify that James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 says, You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and, obtain and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. 
So obviously, we, I'm not saying that we should come to God and ask for silly, stupid things that are going to just serve our own uh, self-needs and our own passions that are totally not aligned with God. God doesn't say that. I'm not saying that. But we do need to believe with boldness what he says in his word. And sometimes it takes literally just praying and praying and praying before that boldness begins to get into our heart. There's so many times in my life, since I was a child, a young, young, young boy, as long as I can remember, before I knew anything much about prayer, where I would lose something. Whether it was my wallet, my keys when I got older, whatever the case might be. And I would pray, and I continue to pray every time I lose something, and I say, God, could you please help me find what I've lost? Usually it's after I've searched on my own to find it, and I, without any luck. How many of you could relate to that? Um, there was one time in particular, I think I was a, I don't know, teenager, and I lost my wallet, and, and I, you know, your wallet has your driver's license, everything. It's very important, right? Um, and I remember I started to pray. I said, God, could you please help me find my wallet? I hadn't even finished the word wallet. Before there's a word on our tongue, God knows it, right? Before I'd even finished the word on my tongue, this, this picture in my mo- came to my mind of my wallet in my pants, hanging upside down, falling out of my pocket onto the floor in, in, the, in the closet. I just saw this picture of like, my wallet just fell out of my pocket, now on the floor in, in the closet. Like, just popped into my mind. So I go to the closet, open the door, where's my wallet? It's right on the floor below my pants that were hanging up. And unless my memory fails me, and it does, so caveat, um, I don't recall a time when I've asked for anything that I have lost that God hasn't helped me find it. Since we moved to Grants Pass, it's going to sound silly. This is not in my notes, by the way. Um, <laughs> my, my daughter, she said, Dad, I can't find the remote to the TV. I am not kidding you. And she's like, I'm going to pray. I'm like, okay, do what you want. God, can you help me find the remote? She like put her hand on the couch and picked up the remote. It was like right there. I'm like, why would God care about a stupid remote to a TV? Like, I, 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 that's, uh, hallowed be thy name, like above me, right? I, I, don't, I don't get that. Um, and I could go on and on. Silly examples, but, but I share those examples, not because they're in my notes, but because I just thought of it. And <laughs> because I, I wonder to myself, why is it God does that? Why does he answer silly prayers sometimes like that? I mean, what does that have to do with God's kingdom coming and his will being done? Like, I don't, I don't get that. I really don't. Like, I don't have an answer to that. He still did it, but I don't get it. But I do wonder if it has something to do with the fact that he's my father and the fact that he wants to just show me sometimes and remind me, maybe when I've forgotten that he just cares about me. He cares about the little stuff. It says, cast your cares on God for he cares for you. Have you ever heard someone say, well, they're, they're sharing their struggles and whatever they're going through, and they're like, well, it doesn't matter. It's just a little thing. I mean, people are going through worse things. And it's like, God said, if, it, if, if you're concerned about it, then he's concerned about it. If it's a care to you, then it's a con- care to him automatically because he's your father. Like, my kids come to me, and they're, they get concerned about the silliest things. I'm like, 
really, that bothers you? Like, you can't walk in the grass because the bugs are going to, like, attack you? Like, don't you know they're littler than you, and you can step on them and crunch them? And uh, no, they don't understand that, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but I care about them. I'm like, okay, all right, let's, all right, let's, not, let's get your shoes and so you can walk in the grass without shoes. I've gotten way off track. Um, but you guys get my point. So um, what if boldness in prayer uh, seems to be in short, short supply in your life? You know, what if you're like, well, I don't, I don't really feel that boldness. I don't really feel very confident when I come to God. I, I don't know that I, he's going to really hear me or answer my prayers or that my prayers matter. What then? When God speaks and promises something, our boldness and our faith grows. So listen to this. When God says something in his word, it increases our faith. King David prayed this after God had promised to establish his house or his lineage forever. In 2 Samuel 7, 27, he says, For you, O Lord of hosts, this is David, King David praying, the God of Israel have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house or a lineage. Therefore, your servant has found courage or boldness to pray this prayer to you. What is it that brought courage or boldness to David in prayer? Because God had told him that he would do something. He, he stood on God's truth, and that brought boldness to his heart. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So if boldness is synonymous with faith, and we need more faith, then we need to hear God's word. About prayer, Christ says this. It says, hearing through the word of Christ brings faith. So I'm going to read something that Christ says in John 15. He says, if, verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. That's the word of Christ. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. We will bear more fruit of the Spirit when we have more of the Spirit. Isn't that what Jesus says in the parable? Verse 13, Luke eleven thirteen. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The point of prayer is that we receive more of the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? That's what Jesus says. You, know, am I, you read the Lord's Prayer. I didn't see the Holy Spirit in there. But then Jesus says, verse 13, further down, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him in prayer? The point of prayer is that we receive more of the Holy Spirit for us and for others. The point of prayer is that we receive more of God. And the more of Jesus, the more Jesus is king in us, the more the kingdom comes in us and through us. God's will is that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. 
That is the point, the purpose of prayer. That God's kingdom would come and that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven is the same as his kingdom coming. They're one in the same. The more of the spirit we have in our hearts, the more his heart comes out of our mouths and our lives. So in Luke 11, in this parable, Jesus refers to the man in the house at night with his children as a friend, capital F, speaking of the Father. Yahweh is not only God, King, and Father, he's also our friend. The bold faith of the friend outside changed the mind of the man inside. Luke eleven eighteen. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and get him whatever he needs. In a passage about prayer and abiding, John 15, verse 15, Jesus says this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus has made known to us, his friends, all that the Father is doing. And so we get to, in knowing that, we get to pray that. Does that make sense? It's amazing how God is swayed by the persistence of his friends. For example, we're going to wrap up with this. Exodus chapter 32 we're going to start in verse 12. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Bible. As you listen to this, let me know if it sounds familiar. Exodus 32, 12. Why should the Egyptians speak? This is Moses speaking. Why should the Egyptians speak saying with Evil intent, he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth. That was God's intent. That's what he was going to do, destroy the people of Israel. Turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. This is Moses praying to God. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by yourself and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and all this land of which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants as they shall inherit it forever. That's a big ask. That's a big ask of Moses. to God saying, you know what? I'm going to wipe them out. And, and he says in another place, I'm going to go ahead and just continue the line of Israel through you, Moses. I can still keep my promise. I don't, I don't need these people. But Moses comes and he says, don't do that. Out of, out of regard for God's name. And how does God, God respond? Verse 14, So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. 
Exodus 32, 14. That's God's response. So Moses asked this. Fast forward to Exodus 33, 3. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst. This is God speaking. I will not go up in your midst because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. <laughs> wow. What does Moses say? Verse 15. Go from verse 3 down to verse 15. Then he said to him, Moses said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. Moses is like, if you're not coming with us, I'd rather just stay here in the, in the hot desert. <laughs> I'd rather hang out here in the hot desert with you, God, than go into this promised land without you. Verse 16, for how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth? That's Moses' prayer to God. God responds. Moses is, looks to me like he's going from asking to seeking. Verse 17, the Lord says, the Lord said to Moses, I I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. For you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Next verse, verse 18. Then Moses said, boom, boom, boom. I pray you show me your glory. Wow. This is something that no one had ever asked before. He's like pushing the limits here, right? Moses asked for what had never been asked before. He was pushing the limits. Next verse, verse 19, God's response. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock. And it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you will see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Moses pushed the limits, and God let him. God did not withhold from his friend, but he figured out a way to make it happen. He's like, it's like he's thinking out loud almost. He's like, okay, I'm going to answer your prayer. You have found favor in my sight. I am going to show you my glory. I'm not, I don't want to kill you. There's, okay, there's kind of a limit here. I can't do that. <laughs> but I am going to show you my glory. I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to make it happen for my friend. Exodus 33:11, same chapter. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. The Lord used to speak to Moses as one used to speak to his friend. God did not slap Moses' hand and say, you have offended a holy God. How dare you ask to see my glory and ask that I recant or relent from what I was gonna do. How dare you? No, God did not say that. No, God would rather us dare to ask big than to ask small or to not ask at all. 
When we ask big, we show we believe that he is big. What's so stunning is that Moses was actually able to ask beforehand for something that was such an accurate reflection of God. He knew his friend well enough to pray according to his character. Did you hear that? God says, I will be gracious and merciful. His character that is later named by God as his goodness, his grace, and his mercy. And it's even though we're not quite sure how to pray, we might be like Moses. We might figure, know some of it. We might understand God and might see him as through a glass dimly and might not fully understand. But that's okay. And I'm thankful that what Paul wrote in Romans 8 is true. Romans 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. It doesn't even say like we sometimes don't know what to pray. It says we just don't know what to, how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Who lives in you? Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Who makes intercession for the saints? Jesus, through the Holy Spirit. Who intercedes for you when you are helpless and don't know how to pray? The Spirit of God himself lives in you if you believe in Jesus. How much more now, since the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out, can we pray according to God's will? The God who once stood before us is now within us. Pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Numbers 6, 24 through 26. You guys have a great day. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>